Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 133, The Priesthood of Every Believer. You can find that at the website CICministry.org. Now, just to review, these are the functions of every biblical priest. The first was the ministry of the word, the second to baptize, the third to administer communion, the fourth to bind and to loose, the fifth to offer sacrifice, the sixth to pray for others, and number seven is to judge doctrine. This week, we are going to talk about offering sacrifice. That's kind of a big topic, but when we look at it in the context of what Luther was dealing with, it really becomes pretty simple. So what issue was Luther dealing with in his day? Well, as once the Reformation began, this was about the Bohemians wondering, what do we do now? Because Rome had everything locked down. Okay. Only certain people could do certain things, and the priests and the councils of the church controlled everything. And so the issues that we're talking about, such as last time we were talking about binding and loosing, mm-hmm. how is it that you find forgiveness of sins? What does God require us to do? And those things were all locked up and defined by the Roman Catholic system, including their priesthood. And so to refute that, Luther looked to the biblical doctrine of the priesthood of every believer that we find under the new covenant. And it's laid out in a number of places, including Hebrews and Peter, and we've cited some of that. So one of the things that was really important to them was what sacrifice needed to be offered for sins. Okay. Now that's not a minor thing. No. And it, That was really a big part of the Reformation. Right. And so at issue is this. Did Jesus Christ offer one sacrifice for sins once for all, and that it is applied to all who believe the gospel? Or did Roman Catholic priests offer the sacrifices over and over through their mass, and anytime someone sinned, they're in trouble again, and they have to keep going back, and there's no such thing as once for all. That's right, and that's why this is so important that people understand. This really is an essential core gospel issue. This isn't, you know, this isn't a deal where, okay, one denomination disagrees with another denomination. That teaching right there is not even Christian. It's a different gospel. It is, and that's what many people don't believe. They think, well, people are just following their heritage, their family, their traditions, and it's not really a big deal. Everybody's got their own idea, but that's not what the Bible says. That's true, and I think for a lot of different places around the world, it's also a cultural issue. There's a Catholic culture in a lot of places, and it's just assumed to be correct. It takes a lot of grace and power of the Holy Spirit to convict someone of the truth and regenerate them through the gospel to even be able to get out of that. 
And that's true. I was talking with my mother-in-law just the other day who was saved out of the Catholic church along with her husband and sister-in-law. And she, she describes it as getting out of a cult. You're basically shunned by your family. You're shunned right. by the church. They, they years and years later are still after you to go back to Rome. It's, it's really difficult for people. And so you know, you're exactly right. And the important thing is going back to scripture alone, and you're not gaining anything by going to a religious system that never will let you know that your sins are forgiven, that you're cleansed, and that you have eternal life. That's right. And so you take that away. Now what do you have? Works, 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 and more works. That's right. And, and it really, as I was reading through the section of the article this morning, it really reminds me of just rebuilding the old covenant system. They want to go back to, it's not the literal blood of bulls and goats anymore, but it's the same sacrificial system that has to be done over and over and over again, which is just directly contrary to what we read in Hebrews. Absolutely. And I think it's one of the most important books, along with Ephesians and the other, all of the books of the New Testament, Romans, justification by faith, and so on. But this one directly deals with the issue that biblical Christianity is not about rebuilding some sacrificial system that was done away with. That's right. And now, just maybe for some listeners who aren't as familiar with the Catholic system, how are they re-sacrificing uh, Sunday after Sunday or Mass after Mass? Well, let's go to the article. Okay. Uh, we're on page five here. And I yes. wrote this to, to help people realize they don't need to go running back to Rome. It's pagan. Okay. And so the fifth, this fifth function of priests that Rome claimed for herself is to sacrifice. Luther, I'm just reading from this article, rejected the Roman Catholic Mass, which claimed to be a valid propitiatory sacrifice offered by Catholic priests according to prescribed ritual. I'll just stop there. That's my statement. Okay. But it's clear, and it can be proved from, actually, the, eventually we'll get to the anathemas they put on anybody who didn't believe that. Right. Is there, under the New Covenant, a prescribed ritual that has to be offered by some sort of a priesthood that has nothing to do with Christ being the high priest and every believer having access to him and once for all forgiveness of sins. The Roman Catholic system claims that the mass that they do over and over is propitiatory and needs to be done just right. Wow. So really, they have their own version of the Levitical priesthood that's offering uh, sacrifices for the sins of the people. Right. And I, interestingly, now we're here in February 2022 as we're recording this. Just this last week, something showed up on the news. I don't know if you heard this or saw it, but there was somewhere, it was national news, I think it was in Arizona, somewhere, there was a priest in the Catholic Church who was baptizing with the wrong formula. I, I saw that. And you see it too? 
I, I saw that. And it, it's exactly what we talked about when we were talking about the priesthood of every believer as it applies to baptism. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it was the it was the very thing we addressed. So here we are studying this. And so therefore, because this particular quote unquote priest, by the way, there are, there's no priesthood other than the priesthood of every believer. So you don't need any human priest standing between you and God. We've been saying that every week. Said, we baptize you, and he should have said, I. Right. So that, so now all those folks have to get rebaptized or it didn't work right. Right. And, you know, I mean, when it really comes down to it, he's not a biblical priest. That wasn't a biblical baptism. That's not a real church. They're all still lost, not because he said we instead of I, but because it's a false gospel. Yeah, if you don't believe the gospel, it really doesn't matter about these formulas and sayings and uh, li prescribed liturgy. Is there a prescribed liturgy that Christians have to follow? No, not that I've seen. I haven't seen it either. So where does this come from? It comes from church history, but the people who made these liturgies are not valid apostles. They weren't appointed by Christ. They haven't seen the risen Lord, and therefore they can't speak bindingly for God, as we were saying the last time. So here, I thought that was interesting, so I wanted to jot down. We need to bring that up. Yes. Well, what if somebody got it wrong? Now, now what happens to you? Well, so if you have a biblical view of it, it's really not about the formula and how we say it and what we do. If, if, you've, if you've repented and you put your trust in Jesus and you have been born again and you have been baptized, it is valid, not based on the formula, but because of what God has done in you. Right. As long as you believe in the, the biblical Christ, the one who created the whole universe, the second person of the Trinity, we've talked about that because there will be Protestants will come along and say, well, they always said the name of Jesus. And so if you're baptized by a Trinitarian formula, then you're damned. Jesus, only Pentecostals teach that. That's false as well. And our pastor Eric has talked about that lately, and I've talked about it. The well, doctrine really, is a Trinitarian doctrine. Yes. And when we read the New Testament, what we don't see is when you baptize someone, do it this way. Whereas if we look back, okay, if you look back at the book of Leviticus, the way the Old Testament priests had to do things was prescribed down to the tiniest detail. Right. We don't have that under the new covenant. There's not a formula. And so if we're making it into a formula, we're just adding to what God has said. That's true. And that's what the problem is. So let's look at some of the details that Luther dealt with. I'm looking here uh, at the PDF, page five, center column. He claimed that the one valid sacrifice was the sacrifice of one's body to God. That is also called a sacrifice of praise. Now, what sacrifice does this priesthood of every believer do? Not prescribed by the Roman Catholic liturgy, but it's a, a sacrifice of a living sacrifice that we make to God. It is. And um, I think you mentioned this in the article, but I've got it in front of me here. 
Okay. We read this in Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. When we're born again and we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we will give the glory to Christ. We will praise him. We will confess Christ. There's, that is what happens when we're born again. And, and that is our valid sacrifice now, the sacrifice of praise. And that praise that we give to God is, the, is only valid if we truly trust Christ and believe his promises. Yes. It isn't and, based on who has the most instruments in their orchestra. No. Or who has the, the biggest cathedral. I would love, and I did when I was in college, I went to a massive pipe organ concert by someone who was one of the best. Yeah. The intricacies of it. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what we're talking about. Right. I think, and so Handel's Messiah, fine. There's a lot of great music, but mm -hmm. we need to believe the promises. And another passage that I mentioned was Romans 12.1. Let me quote that. Okay. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Romans 12.1. So there the body, I believe, is a synodoki. It means the whole person. Okay. Uh, I've been doing some work rejecting the idea of anatomical sanctification. That's another matter. But here, I, I talked about this. This sacrifice is one offered by the priesthood of every believer because he said, brethren. He didn't say, now you priests, you better go get it right. Right. I, I brethren by the mercy of God. That means believers. Yes. Male and female. This sacrifice is offered by the priesthood of every believer. How is it acceptable to God? See, all of this works in false gospels, Enneagram. We've talked about so much of this over the years. Theophostic counseling mysticism. Someone wants to do something to make people better than they are, but the one thing they don't do is offer people forgiveness of sins and the belief in the gospel that means we have access to the throne of grace. Right. And so if there's any way to turn the Christian life into jumping through hoops and doing works and contemplating self, somebody will come up with it. Right. And the result is never freedom. So, well, uh, offer my body to God as a, by the, his mercies, Romans 12, 1. What's that about? So I, I commented on this. This sacrifice is not confined to a prescribed ritual or prescribed times. And so how is this offering spiritual? And actually the word there is logikos. And how is it spiritual worship that consists of a whole redeemed person living for God by faith? That's what it is. Yes. And Romans 12, 1, by pietists and perfectionists and people who believe in works, evangelicals will turn that into works. Right. When, well, go ahead. Well, 
I say, and really the opposite is true. God is working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. And in Ephesians, it says we are his workmanship created for good works that we should beforehand that we should walk in them. Even the good works we do is because God gives us this desire to be pleasing to him. And he has given us good works to do that we should walk in them. Even in that, he still gets the glory. So you're right. And many times a preacher likes to put guilt on people. Well, living sacrifice, you keep jumping off the altar. So they come up with a new version called Total Surrender or something. Mm -hmm. And there's, if you look at the music of evangelicalism over the last 150 years, it's full of ideas that go halfway back to Rome. Yes, it sure is. And so somebody said, well, you're not perfected yet, so you need a new experience of total surrender. Wow. And we hear that, and there's even a hymn, I Surrender All. And I it sounds so good, but how would I ever know if I had? How would I know well, if that's true? Well, the fact is that various versions of that in American evangelicalism and British, for that matter, Keswick Holiness, various versions of perfectionism, they offer you an experience that if you really get it, then at that point, you're totally surrendered. But what if you have issues afterwards? Well, you either keep going back to the meetings or you try to prove it or you try to put yourself in a situation where there's no temptations anywhere. But that's not the basis of our priesthood. We don't need a second, secondary, higher-order experience, we need to believe the promises of God. So evangelicalism doesn't really want to go all the way back to Rome, but we still don't want to believe the promises, so let's go partway back and come up with all these things people need to do. Exactly. And Take an oath, swear that you're going to spend 40 days learning your purpose. Anything like that will sell. For a while, but have you ever noticed those things kind of always fade out? It's like the, the yep. latest fad in evangelicalism. Unfortunately, it seems like 20 or 30 years go by and somebody discovers it and they're like, hey, look at this great thing that right. failed or, the first time around, but we'll try again and we'll get it right. Yeah, I noticed this. Uh, some things that I ran into in the 70s, now they're getting recirculated to people that never even heard of them. Right. And so... Let's go back to the issue here. So, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. I don't make myself acceptable. I am acceptable because of the blood of Jesus, and I live accordingly. Amen. That is exactly it. Right. And so this is acceptable because of God's work of redemption. You offer the whole person. We still need the resurrection. That's future. It's a spiritual sacrifice, logikos, and we are living for God by faith. I wrote about that. Now, what about the once for all? I think we got time to deal with that. Also, Christ once for all, Hebrews 7.27, offering of himself paid the price to make us holy and our worship acceptable. That's right. 
then we we really need to understand that it's christ who makes us holy and acceptable nothing we do that's why it is true propitiation that's right so the propitiation by the way expiation would mean the cleansing and propitiation would be the covering like the propitiatory would be the mercy seat okay yeah uh, in the old testament tabernacle and, and the temple but this has been done once for all and that's what hebrews is about now to get this back into what luther was dealing with the bohemians the people who had asked what to do were intimidated by rome into fearing that they had no priest to do the catholic mass then they would be failing god and left in sin what's going to happen Right. What if there's no priest? So think about that. So your whole life, you go to the Catholic cathedral or church, whatever it is. They tend to like spires and whatever. But then if, what if there's no priest? Right. And, no, and what if you need to go? Some people that I know are pious Roman Catholics and very conservative but they feel like they have to go every day because they can't get rid of their feeling of guilt. Yes. Go and they go and they go. And some of these are people that we agree with their ideas. We agree with their political stances on things like pro-life. Mm -hmm. But what I hope people will realize is if you do all of that and do all of that and do all of that, but you're still in your sin, are you ever going to be satisfied that you went to mass often enough. They believe that mass was a re-sacrificing over and over. And we'll get to that because they anathematized anybody who didn't believe it. Right. Okay. And so now what are they going to do? And Luther, I'm going to quote from my article, Luther rejected the mass as a valid sacrifice and comforted them with the blessed truth of the sacrifice of praise. He was right that when we present ourselves to God, as taught in Romans 12:1, we all offer a sacrifice as part of the priesthood of every believer, Amen. acceptable to God. And evangelicals, if you're listening, somebody's going to say to you, well, you didn't surrender all. You didn't try hard enough. You're not perfected enough. Once for all goes away. You keep okay, jumping okay. off the altar. Get back on that altar. Okay. Okay. That's not how Luther understood it. And that's not how I believe Romans 12, 1 tells us to offer sacrifice. We're acceptable, not by works, not by counseling, not by anything other than what God has done for us. Yes. Do you want to share this black quote you had? Yes. It's, it's excellent. I'll, this is a block quote from Luther, and I think we're probably getting a little short on time. Yeah. Okay, so let me read that, and then we'll return to this. But think about this. Would you want to go every time you get a chance, go to the Mass, go to Mass, go to Mass, go to Mass, and you get home, and you think, I don't, I'm not right. My life is all a mess. I don't have forgiveness. I don't have peace. I don't have joy. That is not what the Bible tells us we have in Christ. 
Okay. So let me quote this, what Luther said to the Bohemians. Here's what he said. Therefore, that which they boast of as a singular sacrifice is indeed a singular sacrifice of a singular priesthood, but of a kind in which no Christian could or should in any way wish to be a participant. That's Luther. We have the sacrifice, we have the priesthood, and we have to do it over and over. Wow. So I'm going to continue that, but think about it. Okay. How does that help? Because they already had the temple sacrifices at the time Hebrews was written. Yes. And now we're going to re replace that with a Christianized version of temple Judaism. Now you, you have a singular priesthood. That is the Roman Catholic one, mm -hmm. the, the priest. But Luther said, it's of a kind no Christian could or should in any way wish to be a participant. He should, on the contrary, denounce such participation as idolatry and a most blasphemous abuse and pray to be as far removed as possible from, from a part of it, however ancient and universal they allege it to be, unquote. All right. Now, what Luther said then, ecumenists will say, you can't say that. Right. And that's exactly what they say. You can't say that. Who do you think you are? Well, Luther stood up against the whole world of his day and went back to Scripture alone. Yes. And the reason it needs to be said is that being externally Christianized will not take away sins. Right. And you can work, and you can give, and you can try, and you can do everything they tell you to do, but they can't say, once for all, the blood of Jesus Christ has removed your sins. And he offered that one sacrifice, and he did it in history when he died on the cross and rose from the dead and bodily ascended to heaven and rules at the right hand of God, from whence he will come. He will receive us to himself, and he'll bring judgment to those who will not serve him. Serving the Roman Catholic priesthood may seem pious, but it's not what God ordained in Scripture. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as many articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. <laughs>